Hello and welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Well, hello and welcome back to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast. Bree James here with you. And on today's show, we chat to the wonderful Dr. Gail Saltz about playing small because the fear of failure holds us back from doing what we truly love and what we are capable of because it matters more if we fail at our passions or our purpose than something that you're doing for duty or as the safe or comfortable alternative. So if you really don't care about what you're doing, it doesn't matter if you fail at it. But then we get caught up in a pattern of living a watered down version of our lives, not rising to our potential, but rather playing small, going through the motions more as a passenger than a pilot. Now it goes without saying, I think everybody has people in their lives that all you want for them is for them to be happy, to be truly vibrantly, you know, using all of their talents and be unashamedly you. So I think, you know, I hope this podcast gives you a little bit of a prompt uh, to give everything you got, stop holding back. And to inspire us today, we're going to be joined by Dr. Gail Saltz, acclaimed psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, TV commentator, and best-selling author. So one of those bestsellers, uh, one of those books is Becoming Real, Defeating the Stories We Tell Ourselves That Hold Us Back, is the inspiration behind today's topic about playing small. So let's get Dr. Gail on Zoom all the way from the United States of America. It's time to get to class. Well, thanks for joining us today, Dr. Saltz. Uh, now you're here helping our community bust off the shackles of their own stories to make the most of the new year because I saw a quote on the Power of Positivity Facebook page that said, stop shrinking yourself to fit places that you've outgrown, which really made me think about the whole concept of playing small, you know, why we do it, how we do it, and how do we get ourselves out of that pattern? So tell me first, why do you think people play small? I think that there's a comfort in repeating what you know, and that there's an uncertainty in attempting to either from within or facing outward to to do something different, to you know break out of a pattern. Sometimes it's because you can't even see that you're in that pattern, um, but sometimes you can see it, but it is just scary, to be honest, for most people to break out and do something differently and face the uncertainty of what the outcome will be. Because mm. uh, in your best-selling book, Becoming Real, Defeating the Stories, we tell ourselves that hold us back. You talk about those stories um, because what kind of stories do we tell ourselves? Well, they range obviously from person to person some combination of biological givens that we're, that we're born with, you know, the temperament and the character and the, the genetic information that informs who we're going to be combined with environment, our early life experiences, and even later life experiences that continue to evolve our, our personality, our way of thinking, and our way of relating to others. And so those result in what I, you know, basically... I sort of defined uh, categories of stories that we do tend to tell ourselves that range from categories that tend to be self-defeating kinds of stories to um, 
someone who maybe is a like super achiever of sorts and all of the stories that inform the need to be that super achiever, the competitor, um, the, the person who is maybe very dependent, passive. And so uh, the stories can be incredibly varied and very individual, but they do tend to follow sort of a category, let's say, and it can be hard but very possible for the person to put together what bucket, if you will, they fit in uh, because all of their stories have a theme. And what do, I, what do I mean by stories? Like that thought that you have that you keep saying, for example, uh, why you might be picking the wrong person in your life to befriend or to be romantically involved with, that it tends to go the same way, it tends to go sent down the same path. And if you were able to be introspective about what's going on in your mind during that process, you would find a story like, well, you know, I have to go for that person because that's probably the best I can do. Or, you know, only that kind of person will even tolerate me. Or I have to have, I have to go for that person because that person's here now and I have to have someone because it's too scary to be on my own. I mean, I could go on like infinitum, but the point being that we probably, you do tend to have a tape of what you're, of what you're telling yourself that's driving a lot of behavior. So what do we do if we have, you know, these stories going on in our minds that we know are destructive, you know, and it's often leading to that unfulfillment in life. How can we break those patterns and take control of our lives and, you know, redirect our course, I guess, because we all have things, you know, it could be about a job. It could be about a relationship. It could be about future success. Like there's so many things, so many stories that we tell ourselves. Exactly. Um, well, the, the, the first and the hardest part is really awareness and, uh, ob you know, the ability for self-observation and a willingness to uh, investigate internally, sort of self-analyze, and, and even when it's sometimes painful and sometimes it is. And how do you do that? So maybe you allow yourself to know that let's say there's something, usually it's easiest to pick something that's not working for you. And, uh, you know, what, what are the thoughts around that issue that you tend to have that are repetitive? Um, and then you want to kind of, once you're aware of what that storyline might be, or that, that, that thing you kind of keep repeating to yourself, and you have to question, where did that come from? What, you know, what does that mean? Where did I get that idea? Um, and that is sort of, a, you know, again, in the world of self-analysis, and I'll go to at some point, not self-analysis, but, uh, but in the world of tempting this yourself, it is letting yourself have the space and time to sort of sit quietly with that thought and what's called pre-associate, you know, where, where your thoughts lead you, uh, what does it remind you of? Um, what might have come before earlier that it reminds you of, or even in the present day, it's sort of your mental investigation, if you will, as to where some of the origins of that story. And then questioning that, does it really still fit for you? It, are the things that you based that story on accurate, um, current? Are you that same person, are you somewhat of a different person? Were some of those earlier stories perhaps um, something that, you know, 
in an earlier time maybe was the best you could do or it made sense to you, but maybe now you want to question. And as you question, you move toward a, basically a rewriting of that story. Sometimes it's even a very conscious, uh, I'm going to take this story and rewrite the ending differently. You know, uh, I, I can only be with this guy, I thought, because that's the best I can do. But I realized actually, it's not the best I can do. The best that I can do for myself is to, is to wait and take some chances take some risks and open myself up to somebody who is kinder to me, who is, you know, takes care of me, who uh, thinks the way I do or has similar value, whatever it might be that you decide to fill in the blank with. Um, but, you know, a sort of rewriting of that story that that sound, the way I just said it sounds kind of easy, but it's actually really hard yeah. and it takes time and it takes energy and it takes, um, you know, being quiet with yourself and, and allowing yourself to do that. Sometimes without objectivity, somebody else to bounce that off of, it isn't, not everybody can just sort of do that on their own. Sometimes you do need an objective other to point out, oh, hey, I see the commonality here and here. And I don't think you're aware of what you're saying here. I, I think this has been unconscious for you. And let me help you make it conscious and let me help you to, with that objective outer eye, point out places that you are stuck in the same story and, and, and here are ways to rewrite it. That, who is that? Obviously, that's a, a psychotherapist who you know, has an understanding of doing basically what I'm calling psychodynamic work. People can do psychodynamic work on their own, but, uh, but sometimes they need an objective outer, outer party to do that. That is, that is taking unconscious material, making it conscious for yourself, questioning it, analyzing it, looking at the roots of it, and then re reforming it. I love it. It does sound like pretty heavy work, but, you know, so many of us do have hang-ups from, you know, traumas in our life, whether that be as adults or as children from our childhood um, that are stopping us from living the life that we really view and wish that we had. And we can blame it all we like on our childhood, but realistically, you know, it's up to you to make that change. Is that what you're basically saying? Yeah. And even, even that, and one step further, there are many people who it's not just that they're stuck repeating the same life, but they're really in a self-destructive pattern where they're, they're actually harming themselves, you know, in this, in the repeated story that they perform. And, um, and, and why is that? Well, often, you know, deep down, it's some feeling that either they, they deserve punishment, you know, they're not good somehow. Um, they, they feel guilt, even if it's irrational guilt, unconscious guilt, and that the solution for them has been, you know, to undermine themselves, to punish themselves in some way and, and feel that therefore they're relieved of the guilt. And without understanding that, they're destined to re keep repeating these, self these same self-defeating patterns. You know, people I see in my office all the time who, you know, why do I keep blowing things up at work or blowing things up in this relationship? And, uh, and really that the task at hand is to look at what what is driving that unconscious guilt and those convictions of, of not being worthy or not being good enough? And, uh, and how can we make that conscious 
so we can confront the maybe irrationality of that. And, and then, you know, basically what I'm saying is the knowledge about what's going on in your unconscious mind is the power to, to undo that because unconscious thoughts and feelings drive behavior. And no matter how many times you might want to say to yourself, well, I don't want, I don't want to do that. If something unconscious is still driving it, it's probably going to persist. And so it, it's, it's, it's a needed understanding and that knowledge is the power to do it. So in your book, you discuss the five qualities of becoming real um, because being authentic can be difficult for some people. Is You know, it's a bit scary, I think, for many of us. So tell me a bit about those five qualities that you discussed and how we can develop them. So authenticity, you know, pe- people tend to think of authenticity of just sort of like what you see is what you get. <laughs> but authenticity is, I guess, what I've, what I've been reflecting on, which is really uh, knowing who you are and being able to be at peace with that and, and reflect that. So um, not all of that's pretty. Right. And that's what keeps people sort of locked in. Like they don't want to know that they feel this way or that really down deep, they feel this way. And authenticity is about that exploration and acceptance and understanding and, um, and understanding, you know, devoid of self blame. So, um, that, that's really, that's really what I'm talking about is, is the bravery really that it takes to, uh, accept and understand who you really are, how you really got there, and, um, and letting important people, it doesn't have to be everybody, but to build real relationships, and this is, this is part of those, those five things, you, and to build real intimacy, right, you have to have trust. And that in order to really have trust with someone, you have to be willing to be vulnerable, right? They, they really see who I really am and they accept me for me. And, um, and to, it, that has to be a mutual two-way street to have real intimacy, real relationships that are what make life, frankly, I, you know, what can I say? That's the number one source of happiness in life, you know, real and intimate relationships. Yeah. And they're not easy to find for many of us. And, you know, I guess what you're saying there, it is because we are holding back many of us, our true authentic self. Yeah, it's scary to be vulnerable, right? And Well, it's not possible to be really vulnerable and therefore have that mutual trust if you don't actually know who you are, you know? Um, If you're a secret from yourself, you, you can't very well be, you know, an open book to somebody else. But if you, if you do know things, those things about yourself, then, um, you know, when you keep them a secret from others, you, there's always that wall and there's always that feeling like, well, they love me, but they don't really know me. Right. I mean, you know, they, (laughs) they love the person that I have projected. So um, it is about being able to accept that we all have our strengths and weaknesses and um, difficult points and that um, you might be working on them, but you can accept that they are and you can let someone else in on those things as well, um, which is the only way to really end up with the feeling that this person really loves me 
for me. Mm, which is what we're all searching for. What about personal freedom? Well, th- what I mean by personal freedom actually is that, as I said earlier, behaviors are driven by unconscious thought and unconscious intense emotion. And when you make that unconscious material conscious, it, it frees you from being forced into repetitive behaviors, basically. So, um, you know, for, like, for example, the person who says, I, I keep blowing this up and I don't know why I'm doing it. Um, and I would like to be able to stop, but I feel basically shackled. I, you know, there's, an, there's a feeling of being imprisoned in obsessive behaviors that you really are essentially, unless you can become aware of what is driving that. So in making what's unconscious conscious for yourself, knowing your stories, you have the opportunity to defeat them and you have the opportunity to feel free, to feel free to be making your decisions, your choice, your life choices, your behaviors uh, based on all the information. And personal, uh, sorry, true strength? Well, I think that it is true strength to know, um, to really know yourself. Because as I said, it does, it can come with a lot of painful bumps along the way. And um, that in order to really uh, get there, you know, to feel authentic, to be aware, to pick apart and tease apart where this came from to confront earlier trauma, difficulty, things, you know, so many people I see are like, but you know, I really need to just believe my mom and dad were great, just great. Everything was great. And, you know, it, it, it takes true strength to be able to say, well, you know, it doesn't mean it was all bad, but let's try to understand, you know, the nuances of what was difficult and what wasn't, and what, it doesn't mean that it's their fault, it's all their fault, but these things occurred, and these perceptions were made, and these feeling states were ingrained, and tease it apart so that you can really understand how you became you, in the sense, how these stories collected, and that, that does take a lot of strength, but also, once you're sort of unshackled from, you know, the lack of information, um, most people do feel stronger. They feel that, hey, if I was able to weather and um, manage all of that, then I have a resilience in me and I am able, I, I'm strong, I am able to weather what's coming. Self-acceptance. Well, that's really what we're talking about here, right? That's yeah. kind of the whole, the whole ball of wax is about um, self-acceptance. Most you know, many people um, really never, never get that. Um, and self-acceptance is not the same thing as I'm great and everything, you know, everything I do and feel is, is fine. It, self-acceptance means, you know, knowing all of the things, some of them may be not so great um, and being willing to work on them, but accepting that they're there. So you see, one of the biggest problems that, or defense mechanisms that people run up against is denial, right? Like knowing this about myself makes me very anxious. So I'm just not going to know. And 
you know, you're, you're sort of stopped there. It's a very primitive defense mechanism, but I mean, look around in the world today, well, we see a lot of denial being used in many, many ways. Um, being able to, you know, say to yourself, well, I'm going to be anxious knowing about this. I'm looking and investigating, but I'm doing it anyway. Um, I see it. I accept it. I'm going to work on it. Um, it's not like it's fine. It doesn't matter that I'm whatever, not, you know, not kind or, or wish bad upon other people, whatever it might be. Um, but you can accept that it's part of you. And your last uh, quality of becoming real was intimacy. We touched on that before. Right. So I guess really, I, yes, I did. I, I basically, I think, um, you know, being able to be really intimate. Well, in a way, I'm talking about intimacy with yourself, right? Really knowing who you are and accepting who you are. And as I said earlier, when you keep secrets from yourself, you're, you're being driven to do all kinds of things that, may or may not be very good for you at all. But really, I'm also talking about intimacy with others, that being able to have people in your life that really, really know you and accept you for you and care about and love you for you is only possible if you, if you let that be, you know, if you encourage that. And if you allow that vis-a-vis -vis other people as well, that being able to uh, really know who they are, accept their vulnerabilities, um, listen, be empathic um, and accepting and, and still love them. I mean, many people feel like, well, once I find out something not so good, I, I, I'm out. And uh, so it has to be, it has to be a two-way street. But I do find, you know, it's, if you're, if you're very judgmental of other people, you're probably also very judgmental of yourself. So in addition to the fact that it's not great to be super judgmental of other people, um, it pro I usually start with oneself because that's, that's usually the nidus, that's the glue of like, how can, you know, if you can't be self-compassionate and accepting of you and you're constantly having a running judgment, um, chances are it, it's pretty hard to get rid of other, the thoughts about other people as well. So um, those kind of often come together. Mm, really, really great insight there. Um, now, my last question, well, two, actually. It's so easy to be a cheerleader and supporter of our family and friends, um, but we're often our worst enemy. Why is that and how can we change it? Well, to be masochistic is to be human. Um, there, you know, there are certain drives that are normal human drives, and some people have more of them than others. So, some sadism, some masochism, people don't like to think about it because it doesn't sound very attractive, but uh, everybody has some of both of those things and they're the flip side of the same coin. But some people do have more of one or the other or both. Um, and, you know, has a, it, it, it has obviously to do with early experience for sure, but it may also, you know, some people are biologically, you know, have more drive, have more aggression. Um, it may have grown up in a family where that wasn't considered a very nice thing, or you know, they had some experience where they felt like that was a problem, and they may handle it by erring toward more masochism, um, or they may simply, you know, biologically have been more wired for that. But 
it is not, everybody has some. And the question is, how much do you have? And if it, how much is it getting in your way? So it's one thing to have, for example, you know, sexual fantasy that runs toward the sadomasochistic, completely normal, very common, used in the service of your own sexual satisfaction. I say, great, whatever it is. But when it becomes, you know, I, I'm, I'm in my way all the time. I'm blowing myself up. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm being generally self-defeating. Then we, we, we say if that's really interfering with life, that's pathology. And you need to look at, look at what that is and, and what experiences happened early that may have shaped that um, and, and try to, you know, undo it. My last question is, if you had one piece of advice today or, you know, what you wanted one message for our audience today, what would you want it to be? Well, well, um, today is a difficult day. I'm going to say this, I mean, all around the world, it is such a difficult, difficult time filled with so much uncertainty. I think like uncertainty is just the name of the game in terms of health and well-being and uh, economically, politically. Um, and so people are highly stressed right now. I think that I think that the most important thing for people, generally speaking, is how do they grapple with uncertainty? Because we can't get rid of it. If you, there is not a fix. So the fix is really an internal one. How can you live or coexist with uncertainty? And I would say for the most part for people, that's going to be working on building skills that lead to resilience. And, you know, if you could have one thing in life, you would have, you would pick resilience, right? Because there's always going to be life will throw curveballs at you. And it's really how you manage those curveballs that determine a lot of how your life turns out and how you feel in it. So, um, I would say I would be advising people to think about how many coping tools do they have in their toolbox and how many more can they add to deal with the ongoing, you know, uncertain, uncertain times, which, you know, some of those might be behavioral, you know, pace, deep breathing and meditation and aerobic exercise. Some of those might be, um, as we're talking about today, more thought-based, um, more investigational, more about knowing yourself and accepting yourself and questioning patterns that aren't working for you. Um, some are about uh, uh, working on meaning. Um, what, is, what means the most to you in life? And is that the way you're living your life? Um, most people don't really question or think about that, but that builds resilience and thinking about meaningfulness Turning outward, that has to do with um, expressions of gratitude and helping others, contributing to society, which has a lot to do with feeling gratified in life. So bu building those tools, creating more tools in the toolbox. Well, thank you so much for your amazing insights today, Dr. Saltz. Great to have you back on the show. Um, thank you so much for everything that you've said today and so much so many nuggets of gold for everyone listening well thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it and uh, thanks for your for, to your audience for uh obviously being people on the on the path looking to um seeking seeking the seeking the knowledge mm -hmm.
If you're loving the Pack Mag Parenting Podcast, then you'll love our other channels. Follow Pack Mag on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. It's a wrap. What did we learn on today's show? All right, number one, we tend to play small as there's comfort in repeating what we know because it's scary for most people to break out of a pattern and do something differently. Seeing the uncertainty of that outcome, you know, gives us a bit of fear. So that's why many of us stay in that pattern of repeating what we know. Uh, Now we can break these patterns by becoming aware of them. So we've got to question ourselves on something that's not working for us and, you know, figure out what those repetitive thoughts are around the issue. And once you're aware of these, like Dr. Gail said, um, you know, and you question your thoughts surrounding this, what does it mean? Where did you get that idea? And you allow yourself the space and the time to conduct a metal, mental, sorry, not metal, uh, investigation to uncover the origins of that story. It'll really help you uh, see if that belief is helping you or not. Now, these were her five qualities of becoming real. So number one was authenticity, is being seen and accepted for who you really are and seeing and accepting others the same way. Number two was personal freedom. So when you know your stories, you have the opportunity to defeat them and make uh, free to make your decisions, life choices and behaviors based on all of this information. So that personal freedom will really help you. Uh, number three was true strength. It is true strength to have the courage to really know yourself. Because, you know, there's parts of you you're not going to like. So, you know, it's true strength to really embrace all of you. Number four is self-acceptance. Seeing it, accepting it, working on it, that is self-acceptance. And number five was intimacy. If you find yourself being judgmental of other people, you're probably being judgmental of yourself, which is going to cause you problems in your intimacy. And that's your friendships, uh, not only lovers and things like that. I can't believe that's the end of another show. Um, I'm having a lot of fun bringing you these shows. I hope you've enjoyed everything on today's with the amazing Dr. Gail. Um, Thank you so much for all your amazing insights today. Um, I hope you got something out of what she had to say. Uh, A big thank you to everyone else who's made the podcast possible. But until next time, happy parenting. And don't forget to tell everyone you heard it on PacMag. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.